It's Thanksgiving week in the U.S., so I thought it'd be fun to do an episode on gratitude. But this isn't a week off from the science of growing your business. Oh no, we're pulling back the curtain on what seems like woo-woo, so you can see how our negativity bias creates a pressure cooker for everyday life. Where you might be setting yourself up for failure, the harder you try for success. Why losses are so much more intense than wins. And most importantly, you'll get the tools to rewire your brain to focus on the good things in life rather than the bad. Take 20 minutes for this week's episode. You'll thank me later. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Hi, my name's Sam, and I'm a recovering perfectionist. Like most people who've been called out for perfectionism, I first found out about it in therapy. Year 36 of my life was a complete disaster for me. I mean, a total catastrophe. I started the year off by separating from my wife of six years. I felt like a huge failure. A failure as a husband, a failure as a dad, and and frankly, my biggest fear had been realized that my daughter, who was five at the time, would go through what I did as a child of divorced parents. But that wasn't the worst part. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer again in April, and then she died at the beginning of September short four plus months. Also, I left the only real job that I ever had. After college, I went up to a resort and started working as a server. I took a little bit of time the next year to kind of bounce around and see what I could do outside of the area. But then I went back and I would have been there for over a dozen years, moved through the restaurants and events and hotel, but I was done. I was ready to move on. So I made the tough decision to split my time with a new job in Dallas, working at Todd Events in San Juan Island, where I had to travel back to if I wanted to be able to see my daughter. It was a lot of flying. Now, anyone who's dealt with these kinds of life events knows how hard each one of them can be. Divorce, death of a parent, leaving a job, starting a new job, moving across the country. There's actually a stress scale called the Holmes Ray stress scale, and it measures how much stress a person is under. You can check it out. Divorce is at number two, right after death of a spouse. And it scores a 73 on a scale of one to 100. Death of a close family member is at number five, 63. Change in financial state, 38. Change to a different line of work, 36. Change in residence, 20, and so on. I remember going through all of these big changes in my life that year, and it totaled over 300 points, which according to the stress scale indicates that I had an 80% chance of a health breakdown in the next two years. And guess what? It happened. It was true for me. I was so stressed out that I had awful physical reactions, including tingling in my arms and pains in my chest. I remember it got so bad, sometimes I would pick up my daughter after kindergarten got out, And instead of hanging out at the house, I would take her to the local hospital with me so that we could hang out in the waiting area 
just in case I needed to go into the emergency room and see a doctor. I felt that bad. We would spend an hour or two just waiting for my chest pains to go away. In fact, one time I got so serious that I actually had to check myself into the ER. Let's just say that I know what happens when you tell them you're experiencing chest pains. <laughs> I'll never forget how the intake nurse looked up at me, slammed down the red buzzer, set off the alarm, the lights turned blue, and code blue, code blue was screamed into the mic. The doors burst open like something out of a movie, and I got tossed onto a gurney. They shaved my chest and hooked me up to all sorts of machines. But after the tests were all done, I checked out perfectly healthy. The head of the ER came in to tell me that it was just severe acid reflux. It sounded good, but it also sounded like it was something that shouldn't put me in the ER. I guess I was experiencing what were called esophageal spasms, and it makes you feel like you're having a heart attack. My therapist told me something else, though. She told me that I had a broken heart, and I believed her then. I believe her now. I spent a lot of time on her couch working through all that grief that I was going through in my life. Do you remember that scene in Goodwill Hunting when Matt Damon is going through and he's testing out different therapists that he's going to work with? And he, he keeps kind of messing with them, screwing around. And I can't remember which one, but he walks into the office and he, he sits down and he claps his hands and he lights a cigarette and he says, let the healing begin. <laughs> I looked at therapy like everything else I did in life at the time. Something to win. Something to be the best at. So I did everything I could to immerse myself in healing my broken heart. My therapist told me not to stuff the sadness. That would lead to really bad physical effects, but instead to let it out. And she suggested that I watch some movies to help bring out that sadness so that I could emote it. I'm, I'm not a naturally emotional guy, so this would help make that happen. Now, this was back in 2013 when Netflix was mostly DVDs. I don't even think Blu-rays were real popular then, and it certainly wasn't streaming. So everything was mailed to you. I upped my account from the three DVDs that I was getting every time I wanted to get a new order, and I upped it to 10. And then I Googled the top 50 saddest movies of all time, and I went through each one of them methodically over the next few months. I kid you not, sitting upstairs in the loft of my house, watching the saddest movies of all time, crying by myself, trying to work through my grief. I took a page out of the playbook when I was in high school sports, and I doubled up on my time on the therapist's couch. I signed up for two times a week sessions for a few months to triage that acute stress that I was going through. And then I went back to weekly sessions over the phone when I moved to Dallas. Finally, about a year after my mom had died and nine months after I left my old job and moved to Dallas, I was finally in a good place. No more chest pains. Yes, therapy helped, but so did meditation a lot. Ultimately, it was the work that I had to do on the daily to reduce stress in my life. After I went through all those major life changes that spiked my stress scale numbers, I had the hardest work ahead of me still, figuring out how to adjust my lifestyle to fill my cup rather than drain it. Turns out, again, like many people out there, I was the one responsible for most of my daily stresses. I was doing it to myself. I put the pressure on me. I had no one else to blame but me. I'm not getting into all the details of this on the podcast, but let's just say that I felt like the more that I accomplished, the happier I'd be. And I'd made my default motivator achievement. I had to win at all costs. 
My happiness relied on it. Ironically, the pressure that I created made me anxious about whether or not I would get the results because so much was riding on it. I had to achieve victory because if I didn't, I failed entirely. It was binary for me, success or failure, win or lose, all or nothing. There was no in-between, no middle ground, no A-. minus. It was either A plus or F. That's my perfectionism. That's what I struggle with to this day. It's not the dot the I's and cross the T's kind of perfectionism. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm not into the details. But I want the best results, the best outcomes. I want to see a win in everything that I do. Sure, work things like sales goals or customer feedback scores or employee satisfaction or profitability percentages or awards that we won. Those were essential to my happiness at the time. I competed outside of work too, though, especially with myself. How fast could I complete a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle on a Saturday afternoon? How few moves could I make when I unloaded the dishwasher? But I put my own perfectionism on others too. At work, it cost me lots of team members because I expected too much of them or I moved too fast. And of course, I put that pressure on the people around me, including my own kiddo. My daughter had always tested at the top of her age, whatever age she was at. In elementary school, she scored 99th percentile in all of the statewide testing, math, science, reading, until the fourth grade. When I got her test results back from the state, and she got 99, 99, and 97th percentile. And I remember sitting there downstairs in my office and opening up the letter and seeing the scores and going, great, great, whoa, what's up with 97th percentile? We're slipping. What's happening here? It was one of those moments when I realized how awful I had become, how much my perfectionism was impacting my life. And it was about to make it really bad for the most important in my world at the time, my daughter, I'm not the only one who suffers from perfectionism, who's driven by perfectionism to achieve great things in life. There's a lot of us out there, especially if you're a business owner looking to do big things with your company. It's part of the reason why I tell this story today, because I want you to know this kind of perfectionism is out there too. That it's not only the dot the I's and cross the T's kind that complicates life for so many. And I share that embarrassing story about how I reacted to my daughter's 97th percentile test scores to highlight a human condition called the negativity effect. We humans survive by spotting the thing that's wrong, that's out of place in our environment. Over thousands of generations, those who can spot the danger out there, whether it's eyes in the jungle that shine back, something that might be connected to a jaw filled with razor sharp teeth, or, or a person who looks sick and might put our own health at risk so we stay away from them. We humans have evolved to pick up on what's wrong and to focus on it so we can avoid it. We tend to learn from painful experiences more than gainful ones. Studies on loss aversion show that we register losses two to three times more intensely than we experience gains. They teach us lessons to avoid in the future. Pain is a survival skill. But negativity bias and loss aversion can pervade our perspective if we don't A, recognize it, or B, contain and control its power over our thinking, our mindset. It's so easy to look at all the things that are wrong and focus on those, especially as a business owner, because we all have a ton of plates spinning. 
If we don't keep them going, they're going to crash down around us. That means we tend to pay attention to what's not working more than what is working because we're trying to prevent problems from getting out of control, from holding us back, from success, from losing the traction that we've gained. It's why you obsess over every no that you get from a client or when you get ghosted by one. It's why you're anxious about what to post on Instagram or maybe why you never did TikTok. It's why we see so many clients get everything done with their brand new website and copy and branding kit, but then months later still haven't launched the site because they're not sure about what photo to put on the homepage in the hero image. Or when do you get that site? You worry about all the unqualified leads that are coming in rather than the increase in sheer numbers of ideal clients that are hitting your inbox. You focus on the things that aren't going right rather than the things that are. Negativity bias is why you pick apart your failures, but don't celebrate your successes. It's our tendency to focus on the gap, the gap between where you are and where you want to be. It's the measure of our unhappiness. And if you let it dominate your life, you'll see a decline in your self-image, your self-worth, your self-confidence. Ultimately, it'll lead to this vicious circle that feeds on itself as you spiral in a race to the bottom with all the others obsessing about what you don't have instead of what you do have. But you don't have to run your business that way. You don't have to let perfect be the enemy of the good. You don't have to obsess over what went wrong or what you want to do better. You can and you should remember every day, every week, and after every event what it is that you did well. If you struggle with being grateful for what went right, Instead of fixating on what went wrong, there's no better time of the year than right now, during Thanksgiving week, to take a break from beating yourself up. If you've listened to the podcast for long, you know I'm not what people would call woo-woo. The information I share with you on this podcast and what we base all of our services on throughout our company is rooted in science. Practicing gratitude might sound woo-woo, but I promise it is not. It's actually firmly grounded in how the brain works. When you express gratitude, your brain shifts away from the negativity bias, where it's constantly scanning the environment for what's not right. Instead, you start searching for what's going well, what's working, what's making you happy, what you want more of. In life, for your business, for your family, for your friends. And if you do this enough, you can actually rewire your way of thinking using this bias, one that's positive, instead of the negativity bias we're all born with. Humans can not only adapt to short-term needs, we can make lasting changes in how we think and behave through what's called neuroplasticity. We can really rewire our brain to think differently if we want to. It's really cool. My 36th year was a beatdown, but I also had some good things come out of it, things I'm really grateful for. I lost my mom, but I spent a lot of time with my siblings in those five months, and we reconnected in really important ways. I left my job, but I found another one that taught me a ton and gave me the confidence to coach others like you to reach success. I went through a divorce, but I also found Katie, the love of my life, on a beach in the middle of an ocean. I spent a lot of time away from my daughter, but I also got a bonus son with Katie's kiddo, Nick and so many more silver linings that set me up for happiness these past nine years. 
If you're like me and nearly every other human being in the world who has no difficulty spotting the problems in life, don't always make room for the good things that come your way, take time now, today. Give thanks for what you do have instead of worrying about or getting mad at yourself for what you don't have. Write it down in a journal. Call a loved one and tell them. Text a colleague or a friender and share it with them. Let your kid know that you love them and that you're proud of them no matter what. Reach out to your favorite clients and thank them for being so awesome. Now on that note, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I hope it gives you a little inspiration for something more than just winning at life or with your business. As a recovering perfectionist, I can tell you pretty much everything is better when you aren't putting so much pressure on yourself. Enjoy the moments. You all deserve them. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 